0: To the club that you didn't want to join, we're the voice of disease, and this jingle doesn't
1: rhyme. Nordpod, Nordpod, Nordpod.
0: My name is Matthew Zachary, and welcome to Nordpod, right here on the Off Script Media Network. Now, I've been advocating on behalf of cancer and rare disease patients for over 20 years. Why? Because I am one. NordPod is the official podcast of the National Organization for Rare Disorders. And a quick reminder before we get started that if you like the show, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts because it helps other listeners like you discover the show. Now, let's get started. Hello friends, welcome back and welcome to all new subscribers to the show. It's season two of NordPod and we're kicking it off in style with a last year tonight themed episode with, he's back, it's Nord president and CEO Peter Saltonstall from his undisclosed bunker in New England somewhere. Look, last year was not the best of times, but for Nord it was not the worst of times either as you'll hear from our conversation. We're going to recap NordPod Season 1, which we hope you scroll back and listen to if you haven't. How Nord awarded more than $36 million to patients last year through their assistance programs. Nord's pivot to virtual programming with Living Rare, Living Stronger and the Nord Summit. Nord's Herculean response to COVID-19 and their COVID relief assistance program. And what's in store for 2021 as we all say a little prayer for the earth to calm down. All this and more coming up right now. Peter Saltenstall, welcome back to NordPod Season 2, Episode 1. My, oh my, what a year it's been.
1: Yes, Matthew, thanks for having me. Um, I'm glad to be here. And um, boy, all I can say is uh, on December 31st, I was looking for the uninstall button, trying to forget about 2020. I have to tell you, it's been a year.
0: nodding my head on the radio. I, I completely agree. How are you doing? Uh, by like, just personally, for like this must have been a crazy year for you. Going back home, not going to the office, managing your family and your extended life.
1: Well, it was. It's. It was. Uh, it is. Has been, and looks like it's going to continue to be for a short period of time. Or I'm not sure whether that's whether short period is correct or not. It has been an interesting year as of. The 13th of March, Friday the 13th, when we got the word in Massachusetts that we were going to be, uh, I think it was beyond Massachusetts, that everybody was going to be staying home, we very quickly, from a Nord perspective, had to pivot and move three offices to virtual by the following week. And while that doesn't sound necessarily terribly complicated, when you have 80 employees and 40 of which don't have laptops... It it starts to create a real problem on Friday afternoon as we're trying to move everybody and get people to their homes and get them set up. And you have to remember also, NORD does a lot of patient assistance business. So we have a call center, and all of those people work on PCs in their office that are not terribly portable and are set up on a network that are HIPAA compliant to that network. So to move people over Saturday and Sunday to their house, have them take calls on you know, Monday as quickly as we can to make sure that we can serve the patients and have them HIPAA compliant was, uh, uh, or the network HIPAA compliant was a huge lift. So those are some of the kinds of things behind the scenes for Nord that were a real challenge. But we were able to accomplish it. We got everything up and running that following Monday without a, without skipping a beat. And I, all I can say is my head of IT walks on water. And he, he literally drove, because our call center's in Danbury, Connecticut, he literally drove to five Costco's to buy every laptop they had in the state of Connecticut so that we could get set up for the following Monday. So that was, it was easy for me. I drove home, was moaning and groaning about probably having to stay home and what an inconvenience it was going to be. And uh, he was he was doing all the hard work. So it's, but it's been I'm zoomed out, as I think probably everybody else is. <laughs> all, all props to podcasting. Uh, yeah, and all I can say is, you know, I I've heard more than any other comment uh, this year. You're on mute, so <laughs> it is. It's been an interesting year. I do live by myself on Cape Cod, and um, it is myself, the birds, and. My computer sitting here at my, uh, in my kitchen. My, I have a kitchen family room, which is basically where my office is. And I have to say to you candidly, I got my COVID shot today. So I'm looking forward to getting the second one in three weeks. And uh, the first thing I'm going to do is go back to the gym and go out and have something to eat somewhere, wearing a mask, but at least be outside the, you know, outside the house. So it's been a strange time.
0: I, I saw something on Twitter the other day, which is like, man, I hate business travel. And yet I can't wait to travel again on business. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. I Well, I spend generally about half my time in Washington, D.C. And so um, I have not been on an airplane since that, that week. I came back the 11th of March, as a matter of fact, that Wednesday from a trip to D.C. And haven't been on an airplane since then. And did I ever think I would miss JetBlue? No, but boy, I have to tell you, even the seats being uncomfortable, I miss it. So I really miss the interaction and the face-to-face and being able to sit with people, either in the office or on Capitol Hill, have conversations one-on-one, and look people in the eye. It's different with with Zoom, as you know. Um, I actually have a um, a camera on the top of my uh, screen. Somebody needs to invent the camera that's in the middle of the screen so you can look at people and talk to them. Right, eye contact doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work. So I really miss the eye contact, I miss the socialization, I miss the networking, and I, I'm a social person, so it's been it's been difficult, and I'm chomping at the bit to get back to uh, get on an airplane and go back to D.C. And now that I've had, when, after I have my second shot, Matthew, it'll be nice to go back, but a lot of the people that I visit are younger and haven't haven't had their shots yet, right. so there's not, there's not going to be anybody to visit in D.C. yet.
0: But we're going to have to have we'll, vaccine-only parties.
1: Yeah, yeah. Th- that this year we'll start to, we think, probably third to fourth quarter, hopefully, yeah. we'll be able to start to see some semblance of normal. I'm, and I am not defining for you what that semblance of normal is yet, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to do a little bit more than we're doing right now.
0: Yeah, and speaking of pivoting and life hacking during pandemic, uh, Nord did a couple of really extraordinary things last year, but I do want to start with actually launching your first podcast, NordPod, was given birth to a year or so ago. We have 12 episodes up in the feed. You were number one, and a lot of great feedback. Thousands of people were downloading the episodes and enjoying the show. It created lots of buzz in the industry. Nord is here, the voice of rare disease. We went into this very optimistic. Like there was no like, no, we're not doing this. It's like, let's do this and we've done it. What is what what have you heard from your constituents, from the from the, the the employees, from the community that you have this podcast now? I've heard a tremendous
1: I've gotten a lot of tremendous feedback. First I want to urge everybody that hasn't watched all the episodes that I really encourage you to go take a take a look and listen because there's some really good information there. The one on the three that were done on telehealth have been very widely listen to and i've had a lot of people make comments to me on the telehealth ones because telehealth has impacted the rare disease community in a in a really significant way and so i just i'm excited that they have been received as well as they've been received and i'm looking forward to even a banner year this year in 2021 with a lot more
0: Yeah, it was such an honor for me to host these shows and meet, I mean, I knew most of your staff, but to just have these types of kitchen table candid conversation and let listeners really understand what's under the hood at Nord, I, I was particularly moved by episode eight with this young woman named Sarah Hill, uh, who's living with a rare condition. And she's such a sweet soul. And it was such an organic, the most listened to episode of the season. I encourage people listening to this show to check out and scroll back in the feeds, episode eight with Sarah Hill. Uh, I also love the fact that we talked about rare cancer. And a lot of people don't know that Nord has a massive rare cancer coalition. And it's just was fascinating to weave all of these facets into this one broadcast narrative for you guys. Do you have any particular thing that stood out? Don't say your show.
1: I was going to say my show, <laughs> but um, I, I do I do really think from an educational perspective, I want to go back to the telehealth piece. I, I do think those were extremely informative It helped people. We heard a lot of positive feedback and the, the guidance that was given there. I think you, you mentioned the, the, the cancer one. I think, I think the cancer one was really good. It's hard to, it's hard to pick one. Right. It's like your favorite child. That, yeah. That's better than the others. I mean, anyone that involves a patient like the Sarah one is, is powerful. It's a different kind of, um, podcast than, than the one that Pam Gavin did, for example, on, on telehealth. So I just, I just encourage people to listen to all of them. I think they're all powerful and, uh, it, you know, I love them all. And, uh, mine was really not the best. Um, It was the intro um, and uh, we were learning there, but uh, this one should be the best this year.
0: Yeah. I also heard from a lot of your member organizations. I'm friends at college with some of the executive directors and leaders there. And some of the shows we did on life hacking, running Mm -hmm. a nonprofit during COVID. Yeah, they learned a lot. It was fantastic. But before we get to COVID, I do want to just cover the fact that you know, you guys have two massive events every year. You have many events every year, but Living or Lair- Living, Living Stronger, and the Nord Summit went virtual for the first time they had to. I was fortunate enough to work with you on LRLS. Uh, what was your perspective on what that meant to the organization? More people than ever were able to participate, which was extraordinary. And yet, things had to be framed completely differently.
1: Yeah, I think um, for me uh, and for the team, as we sat down, and had conversations about how are we going to convert these things that we, these programs that we had done that we were supposed to do at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, where we had special invited guests, and we we're going to have music and all this other, you know, everything else that uh, we normally have in one of those live events, and and you can do all of the the people being able to meet with one another and have conversations. How are we going to be able to? duplicate that in some fashion. And then with the summit also where we always have a track with the FDA and lots of industry people come and support that because they have the, again, the ability to be able to mingle and so on. So taking those both virtual for us was a huge challenge and we had to do a lot of planning. And I have to say the development office with Alexa Moore, who basically is responsible for driving both of those events to make them happen in tandem with our educational unit. They just really came together and said, we got to do this. Let's figure out how we're going to do it, built a roadmap. And uh, I will tell you, LRLS are, sorry about that, said it backwards, but the Living Rare, Living Stronger Forum turned out to be a huge success. And we had, I, I think, larger attendance than we had for the one in person um, in Houston the, the year before. So lots of positive comments. And so hats off to the staff for having made that happen. I was more concerned. About the summit, though, because the summit is one where we we generate revenue, and that revenue helps run the operation, if you will, each year. And so we were concerned that that industry may not want to be there if they, in fact, were not going to have the opportunity to to do the mingling and to and to meet with one another. But industry really stepped up, recognized what COVID had had created in the in the marketplace, and stood behind us. In a significant way, and I don't think we lost any of the people that were uh, were supporters of the event, and so it went off extremely well. And then we also did our Rare Impact Awards, which was only an hour long event that was totally virtual, that was very compelling. We did that on a Saturday night, so all of those things worked out extremely well. And um, I, you know, we were trying to thank everybody that were that was supporting. Those programs and who had to do it and do it in a very different way than what they had originally anticipated, but really important. We're doing the same thing this year. We've announced that 2021 that um, LRLS is going to be virtual, and that um, the summit right now, which is in October, our feeling is we um, we're probably going to be virtual because we think that with these variants and so on that are out there in COVID right now, we're not sure what the what it's really going to look like out that far we're hoping that perhaps we can do a,
0: some sort of a hybrid event you touched on the it's not even in the elephant in the room the covid uh, i think what nord i want to just read this list because i you can you can elaborate on this but what nord managed to accomplish in 2020 because of covid as far as what can people do where can people get information how do we find trusted sources who are the authorities you guys stepped up you held six webinars with over 6,000 attendees. They're on your YouTube channel, so if you miss them, just go to Nord's YouTube channel. You created this relief assistance program. You've helped tons of people practically on their day-to-day lives. You awarded over $35 million across your assistance programs, and you created Rapid Response Leadership Series to help guide the nonprofits. I mean, that's a lot on a good day. You just did this, and man, that that just speaks to leadership. Well, thank you, Matthew. I mean, I think that there's one piece in there that I really want to focus on
1: that I don't think you mentioned, which was we did actually, as soon as COVID came, we recognized that the, the most important thing for us to do was to go back to our membership and sample the community and find out where the pain points were really quickly, because we were concerned that people that were in clinical trials, people that had doctor's appointments, all the kind of basic things, what was going to happen to them, and what kind of action did we need to take? So we actually did a survey very quickly in April that we published, uh, I think it was May 17th, and then did a follow-up survey in June talking about the pain points and what people were seeing and what they were feeling. And I will tell you that the FDA came back to us and complimented us on all the work that we had done, and they actually used the data from that to help them think through some of the decisions that they were making about how to interface with the patient community. But we, we identified things like 79% of the patients had appointments that they were planning on going to with their physician, and many of, many of those are people that have to travel because the doc's not a regular doc. They may They may be in St. Louis, and the doc's in Boise, and we make arrangements to get them there or it may just be two hours away, 79% of those people missed doctor's appointments. So we wanted to make sure that we could communicate the FDA's point of view and Nord's point of view back to the community so that people had information on a regular basis about what was was really happening and how, if they were being impacted, we wanted them to come back to us, tell us what the issue was, and we would go out and help them find that answer. And I think the surveys were led us to the webinars, led us to a lot of the other things that you just described. But we were all in on COVID. And one of the other major things that I will say to you that we really saw in our call center was the calls started coming in from people whose families had lost their jobs, didn't have money, couldn't buy groceries, were unable to pay the rent all those things prompted us to go out and really try to raise the money for the COVID fund so that we could then start to distribute some of that money to people who we know needed to, you know, needed to be able to buy groceries and pay rent. And so, nor did things that it you would think is in, it's in our DNA, but it's not stuff that we do every day, if you will. And so it was a, it was a really rewarding and successful time. And we felt very positively about the people that we were trying to help and people were thanking us and, talking to us about it. So it was a great two-way communication. So I was really proud of the organization for stepping up and uh, responding as quickly as it did to the community.
0: Back with our guest after the break. I mean, you mentioned 80 employees earlier in the show, and it really is run like a family. Everyone actually is so passionate about working there. It was not even like you do this, you do this. Everyone pitched in and helped out because everyone was impacted by this and facing the same level of fear and anxiety and stress and managing your kids. And, you know, thankfully, people many people kept their jobs many people lost it 30 million unemployed at some point yeah, yeah. these are people that have a hard time p- paying for their drugs when there isn't a pandemic and this, this and now this is happening i mean just bravo to nord and the nord community and the nord leadership and the staff to stepping up uh where are you now in this has it gotten worse has it gotten better the, the unemployment
1: issue and people losing their jobs and not able to make payments and so on is, has it, we haven't seen the number grow. We've seen it stay pretty stable. Our call volume is, um, I will tell you that our call volume went from about, um, we, we helped about 8,000 patients in a normal year, and last year we were up, up at almost 11,000, and that That jump up was not just patient assistance. It was in some places, but it was people calling, needing help to be able to, you know, to pay their bills and so on. We're not seeing that number grow much right now, but we are seeing it still stay pretty consistent, which is telling you the problem is is still, you know, very much there.
0: So let's then talk about the actual other elephant in the room, which we both discussed. You said you were vaccinated. I've been vaccinated. I'm waiting for my second shot as of this recording. And... Vaccinations are all the rage and yet there's tons of misinformation and miscommunication and state distributions and the websites are crashing and you can't get an appointment and why aren't I 1A? Why is 1B? Is there a narrative, a legit narrative on should the rare disease community be prioritized over this or with this?
1: You know, we feel strongly that it, that it should be prioritized because as you know, people they talk about people with comorbidities being at a higher at a higher risk, and so rare disease patients almost all have multiple comorbidities. And so we just really think that this group is a very special group, and so we're having conversations with the new administration, with some people that we're trying to reach now um, within that administration, to see if we can't put a spotlight on the rare disease community. But I'll, I will say to you candidly, Matthew, it's a, it's a real challenge the prior administration and I'm not you know I'm not going to try to beat up on Trump but the that administration did really not do a very good job from a distribution perspective as we have advocates in most states if you will ambassadors in states and we hear comments about how dysfunctional it is in each state so it's uh, and each state has its own plan and uh, it it makes it really complicated so to try to focus on the community as a whole um is something that we're really trying to push and and move forward right now. Have we made a lot of progress? Not yet, but we're working on it. I just I just want people to know that we are working on it aggressively.
0: Right, I'm glad you're you're convening with the Biden administration. I I have contacts there too because I have questions I keep getting asked questions. You know like for example, can cancer patients get the vaccine? is a very common question. It's been answered, but not by people who have a microphone and don't know how to read the NCI's website or whatever. Yes, but ask your doctor. You have a slew of medical advisors and professionals there. Has there been any guidance or variance on beyond the ask your doctor? Can anyone with a rare disease, and there's lots of them, it's lots of permutations there, get the vaccine?
1: Uh, it's a great question. I don't know if I have the answer to that. We, are again, are trying to standardize more of, these, uh, more of the asks and the answers so that we can have a clearer picture to, to put forth right now you get a different answer every place you go i hate to say it and especially from state to state so it is something that we're we're working on right now the administration is still new they really want to try to make this this rollout work successfully um i think that they they are starting to hear the major groups like ourselves who are being very vocal and uh, are making suggestions, but we're just going to have to be patient. I think over probably the next two to three, four weeks to see if some of it um, really, really sinks in and starts to um, have an imp- have an impact and and they implement some of it. They're still adding and building the various appointments. And so it's not always clear who you can go to, to have that conversation that has the authority to be able to make things happen right now.
0: To someone listening to the show, if they are in a rare disease community, do you have a recommendation of where they should go as an authority? Let me say that again. If someone listening to the show is a rare disease patient and they want to know what can I do, where can I go? Where can I learn this stuff? Are you specifically recommending like go to the CDC or is Nord creating like a COVID F, a Q hub or something on the site?
1: We're talking about doing it. We haven't done it yet. I think, you know, I hate to say go to the CDC because I know that that hasn't necessarily been successful so far. I don't have a really good answer for you on that question right now because we're in the midst of having a, a dialogue about it. And uh, if you watch our website, we will have some announcements fairly soon about some of the things that we want to do and hopefully will direct people more effectively than, than what's happening right now. And I'm hedging a little bit there because we're having conversations about it, and I don't want to lay out something that may not happen because you know I want to be honest with people about the fact that this is a complicated issue right now.
0: If there's one thing my dad told me, that it's okay to say, I don't know. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he said it to me. So.
1: <laughs> I, I, and I have to say, I don't know yet. We're looking at the issues and, and trying to establish the, the appropriate kind of strategy to move that large initiative forward. And so we believe that there is definitely a a public policy side of this, if you will. And we're working on that.
0: Let's pivot back to Nord Operations. And like, yes, there's still a pandemic, but there's still things that are happening that are really important to talk about. Let's go over the uh, rare disease advocacy councils, because I think that's a really important thing for people to understand is going on.
1: Yeah, th- um, it's, it's actually Rare Disease Advisory councils, oh, and Oh, th- acronyms, okay. acronyms, that's acronyms. It, I know. <laughs> it's called RDAC, RDAC. And RDACs are something that NORD has been working on. They're, they're right now 19 RDACs in various states. So an RDAC is a rare disease council that's that we're trying to establish them in every state. There are 19 states that have them now that we've been working on. There's another 16 that are in in various stages of development. And NORD's goal is to have one in, in, in every state. So what is it? It is basically a group of interested people, okay, that are from the rare disease community that uh, come together to form a coalition, if you will, that then works with the legislature to have a formal process and and become an organization called a rare disease council that can then inform state leaders about issues regarding Rare disease patients, okay, and um, they—we have birthed them, as I say—in 19 states or 16 more that are in process. They're really being very helpful. They are a place where. We have what's called an ambassador in each one of those states. It's a liaison, a volunteer liaison that works with one of our full-time staff. We have staff that manage the United States, basically divided up into two areas, a left and a right half. And uh, we have staff that works with those ambassadors on the left side and a person that works on the right side to help identify um, people, put that kind of program together, work with them to get it established, and then talk about the priorities. And work with those volunteers to educate them and to help them tell the rare disease story at the legislative level within the state. And so we think it's a really important grassroots effort to have that kind of a network across this country in every state.
0: Yeah. And it can't be understated that, you know, policy is in some sense the end game. You want to enact things that make laws that guarantee things that just don't exist right now.
1: Absolutely. And we, we have a very strong, federal policy arm. There's a woman by the name of Rachel Schur, who is our VP, who runs all of it. And she recognizes that the value of what's going on in the states connects to what's happening at the at the federal level. So, building a network of grassroots organizers and voices at the state level brings a lot of power to the federal conversation as well. So, NORD is, is tying those two together. And you're going to see, you know, a much more integrated, if you will, policy initiative coming out of NORD over the next few years as the state and federal start to work much more closely together. Yeah.
0: Well, as we start to wrap up, this show is going to air before Rare Disease Day 2021. Sunday, February 28th is Rare Disease Day. What are you guys ramping up for? Oh, my God. What are we not ramping up for? I mean, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's loaded be, question. It's going,
1: be, it's going to be a great day. We have events that are going on everywhere that weekend and the week before and the week after. And so Nord's participating uh, wherever we can. I mean, I will tell you that I'm speaking at a number of different places, um, all virtually. But we are excited about Rare Disease Day. It's a day that uh, we all get to celebrate, wave the flag, tell the story as a whole group, if you will. And uh, we really find that it's a very powerful day, and we're excited about it and hope that everybody will, will be there. You can go onto our website and see the events that are going on if you need a calendar of one sort or another. And uh, if you want to work or join one of, the, uh, one of the groups or one of the conversations, you, know, you can do that on the website as well. So we're excited about Rare Disease Day. It's a special day.
0: And I'm reading in the notes here that the theme is equity, and I couldn't agree more.
1: Yep, it is. We look forward to having everybody participate. The more people that participate, the the louder the voice, uh, the more that we can get done for the entire community. So, and it is all about equity. Everybody's equal here, okay? And we need everybody to help join in. So I, you know, I urge people, plead with people to to please join us on that day. It's a very special day.
0: Peter Saltenstall is the president and CEO of Nord, the National Organization for Rare Disorders. Thanks for coming back on NordPod. I hope to see you in real life at some point this year. Matthew, uh, greatly appreciate it. I'll be here anytime you like and
1: do look forward to uh, joining you and having a beer at some point together. Yes. Face to
0: face. Stay safe, my friend. All right. Thank you very much. Bye bye. That's all for today. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Nordpod is a product of the National Organization for Rare Disorders and Offscript Media. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Leslie Nordstrom. Andrew McDowell is our senior producer. Valerie Don Francesco is our marketing manager. Darren Tunn is our production intern. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Matthew Zachary and the post-production team at Offscript Media. Our theme music is by The Salvatones. Learn more about the music of The Salvatones at salvatones.org. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments, feedback, and make guest recommendations. For more information, visit nordpod.org.